when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends! With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh, my God. Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Million Dollar Man, 
Ted DiBiase. Here we are at WrestleMania, and it's the biggest match of your career. Why? Because everything you stand for is on the line, namely the million dollar belt. Oh yeah, it can be yours once again. You see, all you have to do to get it back is go through Damien and me. But you see, Damien and I don't forget, we remember all the times you made people grovel for your money. These were people far less fortunate than you. People who could use your money for essentials. And what did you do? You made fun of them. You humbled them and you humiliated them. Well, now it's my turn. I'm going to make you beg, DiBiase. You are going to get down on your hands and knees. This time, you'll be the one that's humbled. This time, you'll be the one that's humiliated. And this time, you will be the one that grovels for the money. And how appropriate that the money you grovel for is your very own. A victim of your own greed, wallowing in the muck of avarice. You gotta, you gotta be kidding me! You, are you kidding me? That, I, I see, I, I see the ghost that John, that, that, that James the Snake Roberts! What on earth? I've got chills out here! Snake Roberts. You're listening to Crazy Train Radio. The guest on the line now is known for his intense and cerebral promos very dark charisma and extensive use of psychology if you were to look up the word psychology not just for the wrestling business but psychology in general this man would be on the top of the list for really extensive use of this field of expertise the man on the phone now is jake the snake roberts jake how are you you're doing great, man. Well, first question for you I have is, and everybody knows your story. Everybody knows mm -hmm. the uh, resurrection of Jake the Snake, yada, right. yada, yada. My question is, in 2019 here, we're talking first week of July, get ready to be the mm -hmm. 4th of July. How is Jake doing today? Doing freaking great, man. Um, 
better than ever. Um, so happy with the way my life has gone in the last uh, seven and a half years and uh, being sober and clean. Um, resurrection wound up, um, just uh, found out he was voted the second best resurrection of all time, which is a big yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next to that other one, that guy Jesus or something beat me up. So anyway, that's not a big deal. Yeah, Christ beat me up by a little bit. Yeah, it was a great resurrection, man. I mean, I, I would have never thought in a hundred years that I could have turned it around from where I was at, but I did. And um, the rewards have been great. I mean, um, you know, I'm 64 years old. I've got some health issues I'm dealing with. You know, some things I can deal with, some things I can't. You know, I've got a, a lung problem that was hereditary, um, two different diseases, and I have them, and you can't get rid of them. So I'm dealing with that. I'm living with it. And um, fighting cigarettes daily, man, trying not to smoke, but it's it's hell. But other than that, uh, my comedy tours are, are going phenomenal, better than I ever thought they would. And we're going everywhere, all over the world, uh, getting ready to go to uh, Australia for uh, six weeks and do it over there. Uh, you know, can't ask for much better than that, getting ready to go to China, do a movie uh, the end of um, August. And I'm uh, really looking forward to that. I got the, the lead in that. It's a Western. I'm really, really excited. Um, the name of the movie is uh, really strange because it's the, the end of the Ted DiBiase interview from uh, when I wrestled him in, in uh, the Sky Dome. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty sweet, man. The last three words of that interview, I'll make you guys look it up but anyway. Uh, things have just been phenomenal, man. My, I'm just so happy, man, that I'm alive and and free of, of the issues that I had for so many years. And and in, for me, the greatest thing of this whole damn thing has been the ability to look in the mirror and say, "Hey, man, I like you." You know, for years I hated myself uh, for what I was doing to myself, for what I'd become, from where I'd come from. Uh, the issues that I've been dealt, things that I had no control over. So to be able to put that hate aside, it is it's such, oh, man. <laughs> and I, I can't explain it, man, just how, how sweet that is. I mean, because I lived with that for 50-something years, and, you know, I got de had death so, so many times, so knocking on my door, and, and I was begging to let him in, man, and uh, to turn that around and get to a point where I'm proud of who I am and what I'm doing. Um, you know, having done the movie, there's been so many people that that's reached and helped, helped them uh, get on the road to, to sobriety because they felt like, well, hell, if Jake the Snake Roberts could do it, so can I. And you're right, man. If I could do it, so can you. So exactly. my life is yeah. just... Um, it's it's beyond happy, man. Uh, my relationships are very good with my children, and that was a big one for me. And, um, again, I just can't believe how good things are. Yeah, and I was going to say and mention that about the relationships, because I've heard you on the other interviews and such. The biggest thing I would think is the relationships with your children. Now yeah. that you are in the spot that you are, yeah. And the grandkids and everybody else yeah. in your yeah. personal life. 
Yeah, it's so cool, man. You know, to be to be wanted, to be for um, having them desire me to be around is is huge. You know, from where I was at. You know, and uh, I love it, man. I've got nine grandchildren, and um, I'm the coolest grandpa of all time. I'll put that out there right now. I'll bet nobody can beat my record. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to ask about one particular grandchild um, mm. that I, I'm aware of. I see mm. your WWE Hall of Fame acceptance, right. and you right. brought your grandson up on stage. Yeah. yeah if I remember twin. correctly, he had some stuff going on. How is he? <laughs> well, he's fighting, man. Uh, that's what he's got to do. He just got through having another leg surgery. He's got one leg that's gimped up, and... Uh, they're having to lengthen his um, uh, one of the muscles in the back of his um, his quadriceps not working right, and um, so they're having to stretch it out. So they they had to go in there and do some surgery. Uh, his sister, um, his identical twin sister, she just broke her damned hip, man, on a trampoline. You know, so it's always something, you know, but they've got so many things to fight through, you know, autism and, and everything else that they deal with, deal with daily. My my son, Derek, and his wife, um, Reagan, have done just unbelievable work with those kids. They're given the best of the best, and, um, you know, it's a miracle that they're alive. When you know, they were born, they weighed 1. 1. 1.4 and 1.6, you know. They fit in the palm of my hand. Um, I know my son took his wedding ring off and was able to slip it over the foot and slide it up the thigh of one of them, you know, and uh, when they were, when they were born. So that shows you how small they were. They were just tiny and nobody thought they would survive. And then they were, they were told they would be blind. Well, they're not. They're wearing glasses. They were going to be deaf. Well, they're not. They're hard of hearing. You know, they're not going to be able to do this. Well, guess what? They are, you know, and uh, it's just, it's it's such a beautiful thing to watch, you know, to, to have all the cards stacked against you and to come out of that is just, uh, is a truly a God's gift, you know, and, uh, but the kudos have to go to my son and his wife, man. They have, they have suffered so much, you know, they, they, they put these kids up front and they get what they need first. And then whatever's left, the rest of the family can have. But, you know, they don't give up. They don't cry about it. They just keep working, 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 working. And there's been so many people reached out and helped. that um, It's just unbelievable. You know, it really is. It's one, um, one unbelievable thing. You know, I had a friend of mine donate a, um, a uh, some memorabilia from Babe Ruth that uh, wound up getting $6,000 for it. You know, they, they, he gave it to him to, to sell, to help raise money for the kids. And, you know, that was just so cool. There's been so many other people, you know, reach out and help too. But um, it's a daily fight for them. I mean, you know, they're, they're six years old now. And, um, I mean, this is so crazy when you think about it. They had to go into the hospital for a month each and be taught how to chew and eat food because for so long they were fed through a tube that uh, it was a big thing. In fact, the girl still doesn't have it down. She's still uh, being fed through a tube about 80% of the time. And um, 
but to be to have to go into a hospital, you know, it's like twenty five thousand dollars each to put them in a hospital for a month to try to teach them how to eat and swallow. You know, because the first thing they they just wanted to swallow it whole. You can't do that. You got to chew it. So they didn't understand the whole process, and we that's something we all take for granted. You know, um, something so simple. But, uh, you know, with all the things they have against them, man, it wasn't as simple. It was very hard for them to learn. And, uh, like I said, the girl's still struggling with it, but, um, you know, prayer helps, man. Prayer and patience. You know, you hope for the best for those kids, you know, and I mean that, Jay. Yeah, man. I appreciate that, bro. But, uh, you mentioned it in your first answer, uh, how we're, when I asked how you were doing, uh, hmm. tour, comedy tour, Dirty Beats tour, yeah. If you want to see Jake on tour, I believe you were in Brooklyn this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a big, big thing there, and from what I hear, they said I blew it out of the water, man, and uh, basically uh, was given the key to the city from that. I mean, it's pretty wild because they had some serious uh, comics there, and I felt really out of place, man. I really did, you know. I mean, it's one thing for me to go out there by myself and and not have a bunch of guys that are that are so good waiting to go on stage is just um it was a strange experience for me you know I've, I've not been in a locker room that I was uh felt so inadequate um in in a long time maybe back when I first started wrestling I felt like that but uh this was uh tough to handle and I I actually got nervous there for a little bit and uh but I wound up shaking it off I was there for two shows and uh the second show I felt really good about. Yeah, but if you want, if folks, you want to see the dates on it, and I know Jake's not the most tech person, so I got this. No, I'm not. Yeah, and, and that's no bad thing. Uh, Jake no. at JakeRoberts.com. Check out the tour dates and all there. But, yeah. you know, that makes me wonder as far as the nose and stuff. And you said you got through it and all. But mm. is that a uh, good thing that gives you like a hyper focus to know what you're going to try to accomplish out there on stage? Well, you know, again, I go at it differently. I mean, these guys work for years on and developing uh, their jokes and stuff. Well, I'm not doing jokes, man. I'm just going out there and telling you about an experience that I had, a moment that I had in the locker room or something that happened at the hotel or something that happened maybe in the strip joint or in the car or even in the ring. And uh, these are all true things that happen. And so I go out there and deliver them. Um, you know, I, I wrestled for 36 years, so I've got a lot to pull from. You know, I've got a lot to pull from, man. There's there's jokes and all that stuff, man, after 36 years. I mean, um, this is basically my second tour, so I'm going with my second uh, bunch of uh, stories. But... I go out there and I don't have stories in mind to tell. You know, I might have one or two, you know, stuck there and say, okay, I'm going to lead out with these. And once I lead out and, and get the feel of the people, I kind of give what I think they're wanting. You know, I kind of dial into them the same way I did in the ring. You know, you don't go to the ring, you know, they do it now, but I, I never went to the ring and, and had a specific thing that I was going to put out there because lots of times, you know, it's like a restaurant, man. You might have a great prime rib in that restaurant, maybe the best in the city or the best in the state. But guess what? If I'm in the mood for fish, prime rib doesn't interest me at all. 
So you got to be able to change midstream, you know, whenever you're doing these shows. Sometimes you got to take it in a different direction or feed them a different way. So um, it's sort of like eating a fine meal, man. You got to get it the way you want it, and that's what I try to do. I try to serve it up right for each each show. Well, when you mentioned about having the feeling there, I mm. heard an old compadre of yours uh, mention this mm. when he was alive, Roddy Piper. Yeah. When he uh, would go out, is that that's usually when he like you get a feel for the crowd. Right. Yeah, you know, he's walking out, stuff, right. going to do his thing. Yeah. Was that when you would get a feeling, or was it when you locked up and started the actual? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, man. You smell them on the way out, and uh, you get in the ring, and you size it up. You size up your opponent and see what you're going to deal with there. Uh, you know, and then then as the stuff comes at you, you got to push it the right direction or, or feed it into something else. Um, so important. People don't get it, man. You can put two great wrestlers out there, but if they don't mesh well together, they just don't mesh well together, and it stinks. So someone like myself or a Piper or a Steamboat, we have the ability to go out there and wrestle just about anybody, just about anybody, because we can adapt so quickly and because we have so many bags that we can pull from. So a lot of guys are one-dimensional. I damn sure don't want to be one-dimensional. Well, like you said, you were one of the few guys that were, and I would include Ted DiBiase in that uh, spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted was good. Ted was a great mechanic. You know, if you told Ted what you wanted, he could go out there and do it. Now, Ted Ted will tell you himself, he wasn't a great thinker. You know, uh, thinking about, you know, how to to get through this guy. Uh, He used to come to me back in the day and, uh, you know, ask for, suggestions on how to to go with a guy and certain people, you know, especially in the um the jobber matches, man. He's like, how can I make this interesting with this guy? I'm like, well Ted, why don't you try this? And if you suggested these things to him, Ted could go out and do it, but to come up with the idea initially he wasn't good at it. But I love Ted and he, again he's one of the best mechanics on the planet. Now when you were in a first day new mouth when you were in a major story, whether it be a Hong Kong fan, a Rick Mendo, mm-hmm. and Ted DiBiase at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. when you had these programs going on, were there mm-hmm. certain things you were looking for to get out of these talents, or was it based on what the goal was from what a Vince or a Bill Watts or whoever might be? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I go back to... In the beginning, whenever I learned, man, I was always taught never expose your opponent's weakness. Uh, if you expose your opponent's weakness, that makes the match weaker. So what you try to do is you try to highlight what he does best. That way, if you can beat that guy, you've beaten somebody at the very best top level. But if you go out there and you belittle a guy and you beat him, guess what? You beat a nobody. So the first thing I did when I went in the ring was try to make my opponent stronger. Make him bigger, stronger, faster, uh, more mean, uh, you know, make him better than me. Then that way, when I technically took him apart, I seemed like a great chess master at the end. So you mentioned, uh, or not you, excuse me, I mentioned in the introduction there that you, you being known for your intense and cerebral promos, the mm-hmm. charisma, 
mm-hmm. and really extensive use of your psychology. Mm-hmm. Is there were there places as far as when you were promoting a story that you guys were telling, mm-hmm. or whatever the case was, were there areas you would not touch when talking about your opponent? Uh, about what are you talking about? You talk about areas. Well, I say that, and I'm going to refer to Piper again. And I and I yeah. just recently got done rereading his books. Yeah, I remember him saying in the books that I would not, like, I won't talk about a guy's family, or I won't. No, talk oh, about absolutely. A guy's yeah, yeah. No, no, no. See, that's stupid. You, you call a guy old and this, that, and the other. You've belittled him, man. You don't want to do that. You want to make him bigger than you, better than you. That way you beat somebody. That's a, all people make that mistake. They get on the microphone and say, ah, he's too old, he's a has-been, this, that, and the other. Well, guess what? If you beat that guy, all you beat was a has-been, you know? So that's not real smart, you know? So, again, you want to raise them. Raise them. Well, I recently heard you on... Joe Rogan's podcast, mm-hmm. a very entertaining interview, and yep. two things that sound interesting on that. Well, one was funny when you said you had a short face, pretty thick. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and one other thing I found interesting was because you guys were talking about Andre the Giant, yeah, and obviously everybody knows about Andre, even right. though you're not a wrestling fan. But I was. Really amazed that you never watched the HBO documentary. No, I didn't. I didn't get a chance. Is it you? You just haven't had a chance, or well, actually, I with that. I didn't. I didn't do it because I didn't want to be emotional with it and bring me down, man. I mean, I like to remember guys as they were, you know, and uh, not talk about them in depth and stuff, man. There's enough depth around for everybody to chew on. I don't get off on that. But what kind of guy was Andre to you, at least? He was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You know, um, we played cards nearly every night. He loved to play cribbage, and uh, we'd go in and play every night, man, until, until the bell ring, you know, would ring. Then we'd stop our game and go out and wrestle, come back and finish the hand. Um, it was absolutely wonderful, man. Uh, you know, Andre was a, a funny guy, you know, he, he wanted to be able to respect you, but to to respect to get respect from Andre, you had to prove it. And uh, the way he normally did that is he'd go out in the ring and rough you up a little bit. And uh, I remember our first match after we did the thing where he passed out and fainted the heart attack and all that. Um, we were in L.A., man, and we went to the ring. It was our first match. I was so pumped and so jacked up to do this thing, and the people were so with it. And we went to the ring, and he absolutely just guzzled me, chewed me up and spit me out, did not give me nothing. Everything I tried, he'd block and just crush me. And after the match, I went to the locker room. I can't believe I did it to this day. But I went to the locker room and screamed at that man. You big son of a bitch. What the hell was that? That was absolute crap, man. If wrestling is going to be like that, man, you can have it. I don't want it. I thought we were going to go out there and have a match, man. Instead, you just crushed me. Well, guess what? That ain't no big deal. <laughs> and he looked at me and smiled. He says, 
okay, we're good now. You know, and that was it. After that, we went out and he gave me more than enough to make your match right, and uh, we had a blast. Well, that's good, because you, your name comes up when it comes to Andre, at least what I've heard from some of the stories, that, like you said, Andre will eat you up if you didn't, you know, fight right. back or defend yourself or whatever. Right. But you said, you know, I find that interesting that it was just you approaching him in the back and having that conversation. Right. Right. Not many people yeah. have done that. <laughs> I can't think of one. Just me. Yeah. That was stupid. <laughs> think about it. At the end of that story, he's like, okay, cool. And where you guys went from there. Yeah. It was great, that, man. Yeah, because I've also heard of other stories where, like, there would be part-timers back in the territory days and such. Mm -hmm. Like, guys, let's say, you mentioned they were in jobber matches. Mm -hmm. You know, like an iron sneak or this one or that one would eat the mm -hmm. jobbers up who were just trying to earn a paycheck for their family. Andre mm -hmm. also didn't appreciate that and would handle his business mm -hmm. with those guys in the ring. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't say. You know, I, I didn't see it. I know this that um, you know the Iron Sheik and uh, Macho Man. He oh, ate yeah. those guys alive. I mean, uh, Macho Man was scared to death of him, and rightfully so. I mean, Hogan was Hogan was scared to death of him right before their match at uh, WrestleMania three, because Andre refused to tell him if he was going to let him win or not. You know. <laughs> Just maybe we just fight for it. You know what the hell are you gonna do now? Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm not. I'm not going out there, brother. I don't give a shit if there's ninety three thousand or not. If I've got to fight Andre the Giant, the shoot, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, what, what the hell are you gonna do with a guy outside? Yeah, nothing. You can't do nothing, man. I've tried. I used to tell people the most frustrating thing in the world is when you're trying to kill somebody and they don't even realize you're trying to hurt them, and that's the way it was. All right, well, I have one more question for you to get right. an ID from you. Uh, yeah. You brought it up there, WrestleMania 3. My yeah. final question is, because you came out with Alice Cooper, and yeah. he was thinking of the snakes, you being right. Jake the Snake. Right. What was it like dealing with Alice Cooper at a big event like that? It was absolutely wonderful, uh, except for the trip to the ring. On the way to the ring... He was trying to pass out on me. He said it was just too much of a rush because they put us on that scissor lift and shot us up in the air. And, you know, this guy's used to being on stage where he was in command. But all of a sudden, he's just going to stand there and, and act a part. And uh, I remember he was sliding down my shoulder and just scratching the hell out of me. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, too much rush. And I talked to him about it after the match. And he said, man, he said he just didn't have control. He didn't have, he didn't feel he was in control, and when he didn't feel that, that's when he started hyperventilating. But it was a hell of a rush, man, to go to that ring with ninety four thousand people screaming. You know, I mean, I felt like my skin was crawling. It felt like my hair was growing. My eyeballs were itching. I mean, the, the feelings I had, man, were incredible. And um, it was just a wild, wild moment. All right, bro. Thank you very much, well, man. Thank you so much, and uh, if you guys want to check out his uh, tour, the Dirty Deeds Tour, jakethestateroberts.com. Wow! Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? 
Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. Now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting now that's what I call depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, wrinkled ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend whilst in Sail Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio, and don't ever forget, I love you.